Welcome to another edition of TM3 Impact. Today, I have a great buddy, Jared Getz, the CEO and founder of Zendrop. Jared, welcome to TM3 Impact. Oh, I'm super excited to be here, my friend. Yes, I, I know. We just did your podcast uh, about, was that two weeks ago, three weeks yeah, ago? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, that was all, that was awesome. Thank you for having me on the podcast. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Yeah, we dove deep into a lot of topics that I'm quite passionate about, and I think the audience is going to love. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's dive in. Here's how I like to start. I want to know your San Antonio story. How did you come to live in the city of San Antonio? You know, it's funny. Every single person I've encountered that has asked me that same question because it was, it's pretty random. You know, I, was, uh, I grew up in New York. I was, I've lived all over the place. I was in Atlanta for a few years. After I left my job, I moved to LA with my now wife. We, we, we did the whole like struggle out in LA lifestyle, get out there. Uh, we moved back to Florida for about five years. And then, you know, I'm in the tech space and we were looking for like a cool, fun new city to move to. So we picked Austin okay. and um, we, we went out to Austin for about a month and honestly just started like searching more on Zillow, like expanding out the radius. And then I was like, whoa, San Antonio seems pretty cool. And yeah. then basically we found the, the, the Dominion, yep. the neighborhood, right? And we drove into the gates. I saw the golf course uh, and I was like, all right, that's where we're moving. Cause you know, you know, I like, I like the golf lifestyle. Of course. And I was living in a golf community in Florida and I was yeah. worried that I wasn't gonna have a golf course. So found it, um, noticed that there was maybe 10, 10 or 15 homes for yeah. sale. Yeah. And we got lucky and we found a home that was perfect for us. Yep. And, um, you know, I kind of just, I'm a type of person who just goes with the flow. Yeah. So just ended up moving here very randomly and yeah, yeah just hunkered down. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, they, well, kudos to the Dominion for reeling you in. Reeled That's exciting. Right in. Yeah. yeah. I love that. And, and so let's, let's backtrack a little bit. I, you're an entrepreneur, like you're a tech entrepreneur. You've been doing this for a while, but I, I always, I'm always curious about people's journey Yeah. because because that, I think, you know, for most successful entrepreneurs, there's a story behind the story. Oh, yeah. So let's get that early Jared entrepreneur, you're 15, 16. What was that Jared entrepreneur like? What were you into? Yeah, my journey's actually been pretty, pretty wild. And there's been so many times where I thought there's no coming back from this. Yeah. You know, er, so I grew up with a single mom, only child, one bedroom apartment. She always worked several jobs. And I always wanted to figure out, how do I do more? Right. I was, I remember I was 16 years old and I was visiting my grandma in Florida and we, we took my aunt's minivan. My friend and I took my aunt's minivan. We were like driving somewhere and we saw this Lamborghini mm -hmm. and I like looked in and there was like this like young guy. He looked like he was in his like late twenties, early thirties, like wearing a hat. Like he kind of reminded himself, reminded me of like a, an older version of myself. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that young guy's driving this Lamborghini. I was like, I was like, I opened the window. I'm like, what do you do for a living? And he's like, I trade commodities. I had no idea what that meant. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah. I looked at my friend, I'm like, we need to start trading commodities. <laughs> <laughs> which Today. Is, which, is, <laughs> which is not what I do. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so early on in my career, I, uh, I, I met a friend and we started renting houses in the Hamptons for the mm. summer. We would rent a house for like two months. Okay. And it would be like 20 grand a month for like a really nice house. And then we would sub rent it every weekend to prom groups. Oh my god. Because all these kids with prom parties, they wanted to rent houses to have a party in. 
but none of the homeowners would rent them the house. No, of course so not. We would call, and this is a pretty sketchy bit. Like I wouldn't do this now, but yeah. I, when I was 17, 18 years old, it was a, it was a, it's a big way business. to make money yeah. and it was fun. Yeah. So we'd call the homeowner, hey, we know our friend, our family's coming in from Europe for a month and we need this house. We'd get the 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 rent we'd get it. Yeah. And then we would find prom parties and we'd rent it out every weekend for like ten to twenty grand. So we'd yeah. make a profit each month. And that was like my first hustle. And so it was kind of like I got into the event space a little bit. Okay. And what it well, actually I'm curious though, Jared. I'm I'm curious though, because the squeeze there's not a lot of juice on the squeeze there's a lot of risk like did you i'm just thinking as a 17 year old 18 year old going we're in these five million dollar houses yeah at any point did you go wait a minute this is risky no no, no not point. not well i was i was stupid back then you know i was i was um i would i didn't care about risk back then i was anything to make money and there was a there was a good amount of, of juice. You know, we're, we're making 10 to 20 grand a weekend. Oh, a weekend. I yeah. thought you were making 10 to 20 on the whole month. No, 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 no. Per weekend. Oh, wow. Okay. So we'd okay. make, you know, 30, 40 grand for the yeah. summer. And for us as young kids, that was a lot of money That's for us. That's a lot of money. But yeah. it led me to my first opportunity because, you know, when, once in motion, things just happen, right? Yep. So there was a, a prom group that was struggling to find a house. Okay. And it was like the last minute we ended up getting them into our house. And the girl who was like leading the whole group, her brother happened to be the biggest concert promoter, like one of the biggest concert promoters in the U.S. And okay. he was like three or four years older than me. He was he lived one town over. So when we were going to college, you know, I was in, I was like freshman, sophomore in college. He's like, hey, you did my sister a huge favor. If you're interested, we have Steve Aoki and Lupe Fiasco coming through your school on these two concert tours. <laughs> Since you did my sister a favor, if you guys want to be 50-50 partners on these shows, be the head promoters, yeah. I'm going to give you that opportunity. You just have to come yeah. up with half the money. So I needed to raise like 75 grand. I was a sophomore in college. So sophomore in college, you need 75000 to be a 50-50 promoter for yeah. Steve Aoki. And Lupe Fiasco. <laughs> and Lupe back Fiasco. Back-to-back nights. Wow. Okay. So... I raised the money. I went to like all my friends in my fraternity, and I how got, much like, did you have at that point on your on your like for me? you personally? Like pretty much zero. Nothing. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, technically, that. I was massively in debt with my student loans. Of course, of course. But uh, yeah, yeah well, I was like five hundred bucks from this guy, two grand from this guy, seven from this. You one. raised seventy five thousand as 70, a sophomore in college. Raised seventy five thousand. Oh my god. We we pulled off the show so steve aoki was a tuesday night yeah and lupe fiasco was a wednesday night we were we did both of them at the same venue it was the okay. washington avenue armory yeah uh we 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 set it up so that we can have 2500 people for steve aoki and then opened it to 4000 the next night yeah we sold out the first one steve aoki made 50 grand profit wow second night we didn't sell enough tickets we lost 50 grand so oh. so we broke even right so after like months of of grinding and handing out flyers and putting up posters and yeah. doing radio ads and everything we could imagine to promote these shows huh. we ended up breaking even okay but i'm curious what was it about the 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 lupe fiasco that this just didn't he work just, we didn't sell enough tickets you know the profit was on the last thousand tickets you know it was an expensive show to put together yeah but actually that's what led me to my next thing i was thinking okay. like why couldn't we make money on this show and i was right. like well we're paying lupe fiasco 100 grand to show up okay right yeah so I was like, well, what if we come up with our own show that has its own appeal, but we don't have to pay these artists so much money? Yeah. And I was like, you know, at the time there was this this company called Dayglow, and they did the okay. world's largest paint party. Okay. And I was like, well, what if we did the world's largest foam party? A foam party. Yeah. So so 
So Love next, it. basically, early, uh, it was it was Halloween of the next year. I was a junior in college. Okay. And we rented the Washington Avenue Armory again. Okay. And we decided to throw the world's largest foam party. And we sold out. And we made like 50 grand on the show. Wow. And I had like nine business partners. It was like everyone was a business partner. Yeah, yeah, I was like yeah, leading yeah, yeah. it all, but I had to get all the money from everyone. And they were all partners. Yeah. And you had to pay everybody. It was, yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a whole thing. Yeah. So uh, a friend of mine, like the kind of the other main guy and me, were like, all right, let's do this for a living. Like okay. if we can do this 20 times a year, we're making a million bucks. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we just So started, how many partners at this point when you finally say we're going to take this? Just one other partner. One other partner. Okay, got it. He was, uh, he was a friend of mine, a roommate. He was like the crazy guy in college, but he was like so charismatic and so good at promoting yeah. that we figured if we went to other colleges for like two months at a time, mm. we can sell out shows. We okay. just got to get on campus, start talking to people, yeah. create fa- We had all these hacks, like how to get a face. We would literally go around on college campuses and say, Hey, we're doing the world's largest phone party. Can uh, can you do us a favor? Log into your Facebook, and we had this JavaScript that would invite all their Facebook friends to the event on Facebook. What? So we'd get like three hundred thousand people invited to an event in like five days. Wow! And we would literally just go Which around is for free. Yeah, I mean, this free. is all free. Dude, yeah. We would just go around college campuses wow. and just literally. All right, let's try to get thirty people to invite all their friends, right? Yeah. yeah. And we'd go to the dorms. We'd knock on doors. I mean, we were like grinding hustling I mean, well, I mean did anybody want to be paid they would i mean like it was, they, they it was whatever it, it was like hey if you're ch- charismatic and charming yeah, and cool college kids are down to just help you out yeah and we were in college too yeah so and, and it was funny because people are like oh who owns this business and we'd be like oh our our, our uh, rich uncle owns it you know so we didn't oh, seem like we we're like yeah 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 so yeah. no that that went on for about two years we did our first so you were able to do that for two years two years yeah oh yeah we, how many phone parties you think you did we did like 20 20 phone parties yeah but they were like big toward the end they started getting big we sold mm. out webster hall in new york city um our biggest show is where we lost all of our money so this okay. is where like the next chapter happens okay so there was a UMass Amherst was the school okay. and they have a venue called the Mullen Center. That's where they do their basketball games okay. and I had my sights set on, on UMass on, yeah. on, uh, on the Mullen Center. I was like, yeah. that would be the most, you know, all the big artists were going there yeah. and we were talking to them, trying to convince them. And then after about a year, they get back to us and said, Hey, you're approved to do the show here. Okay. And we're like, okay. Um, all right. We budgeted like maybe 200 grand on the show for the venue, for wow. everything, for the production. But at the time, you know, I was young. I was 22. I didn't really know what I was doing cash flow management wise. Yeah. I was just like, I was just like using ticket sales from one show to fund the other one. And yeah. it was a mess. No bookkeeping, no accounting, like yeah. just hustle, grind, hustle, grind, no reflection, no planning, yeah. just go. And so we booked the show and we ended up under budgeting tremendously. And we ended up losing all of the money we had on that one show. And on top of that, we didn't have enough money to pay back some of our vendors. And there was this kid who wanted to be a famous DJ. Yeah. He inherited $50 million. Okay. And we made a deal. Hey, if you invest 50 grand in the show, you could play on the main stage and you'll get your pro rata share of profits. Yeah. Unfortunately, we didn't have any cash, so we couldn't give him back any of the money. And yeah. He, you didn't make any money. Well, yeah. And then, but so his trust fund manager made him sue me. Oh, God. So now I'm like 22, 23. And I have no money to my name. And I built up like this big, you know, persona, right? This yeah. e- My ego started getting bigger. I was living in a penthouse in Miami. Like life was really cool. Yeah. And then I had nothing. So I had to move back in with my mom. Yeah. And I moved back in. At my, 23. At 23. Okay. 23 turning 24. Okay. I moved back in with my mom. I have no money. I was 
very stressed, very anxious. I had this lawsuit. He sued me for 250 grand oh. and I couldn't even afford a lawyer. Right. So I'm like, man, I don't know what to do. I was every day. I was anxious, stressed, depressed. And uh, I read a book called The Way of the Peaceful Warrior. Okay. And that was like my fir- my entryway into like personal development. It was a, a cool story. Okay. That- so, so interesting. So you were doing all of this business just kind of like uh, 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 just flying by the seat of your pants. Just going flying for by it. by the seat of my pants. You hadn't read any books, no, oh, no. entrepreneur books, no business books. No. Nothing. No. no n- not one personal development at this point. Nothing at that point. Had anybody ever talked to you about any of that stuff? No. Okay, interesting. No. Okay, keep going. No, so you no, read, I was you like read a, Peaceful Warrior. Yeah, I was, like a, I was like a major partier in college, like okay. bad at school, but just like a hard work ethic, and yeah. I, I thought I was smarter than I was, and you know, I, I, I thought I could do more than I was actually able to do. Anyway, yeah. I'm back with my mom. I read this book, and I'm like, you know, I'm going to start getting up a little bit earlier and going for walks. She lived um, in Freeport, New York, so like okay. if I walked maybe 20 minutes, I can get to the water get up, you know, maybe jog over the water, sit down for a minute, just kind of like try to let go of my stresses. And lo and behold, right when I started doing that, I get an email from a startup called Yik Yak, social media app. A lot of people know what that is because it was so big. They reached out to me. They just raised their Series A. So they raised $10 million. And they're like, hey, we want to sponsor your show, Electric Flurry. That was the name of my my phone party. Like, we want to sponsor your show. We want to get into the college market. And I'm like, hmm, I can either probably use this to throw more shows maybe get them to fund them and i was like but i don't know if that's best for this company let me just tell them what i think is best for them which is why don't you go to college campuses and promote your app the same way i promote my shows we're able to sell out shows if your app is free we could probably get thousands of downloads yeah i told them this whole plan yeah and i was talking to their head of marketing at the time and he's like our ceo wants to talk to you and i was like all right cool hop on a call with him they text me a little while later, hey, can you fly out to Atlanta and meet with us? I'm like, sure. Yeah. Um, when? They're like, uh, how about tomorrow? I'm like, all right, yeah. no problem. We'll get you a ticket. Yeah. They sent me a ticket, flight the next morning at 6 a.m. I tell my mom and stepdad, I'm like, <laughs> I may be getting a job with this company. I don't know. Yeah. They want me to fly out. So fly out. I get to Atlanta. Yeah. I get to their office, and it's like really cool. I was like, in my head, I thought it was like, I was so used to my operation, which yeah. was so fly by night and like fly by the seat of your pants and like, yeah. you know, whatever. I thought it was going to be like some apartment with like four dudes. Like, but yeah. no, they had like this cool, you know, all glass office in the Atlanta tech village. Okay. And I was like, all right, these, this is, this is cool. It's this culture is cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they, you know, they wind and dine me a little bit. Like that night we went out to dinner and we went out and I was like, I, I like this vibe. Yeah. So they were basically like, Hey, you gave us this whole plan. Do you want to come do it for us? And mm. I was like, Pretty long story short, we negotiated a bit, and I said yes. Okay. So I started in August. So salary is this salary position? This salary and shares. And shares, got yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. And my mission was I had it was it was like August 11th, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and school started, college started in September, so I had 30 days to plan a college tour. Okay. Meaning I had to get a tour bus, a 45 foot tour bus. I had to get yeah. the tour bus designed and wrapped. I had to hire a bus driver. <laughs> I had to hire eight people to come on the bus. I had to get a, a, a yak mascot. Okay. We had to get all the merchandise. I got a mechanical yak, which is basically a mechanical bull that we yeah. like fitted to be a yak. Yeah. I had to get all this stuff shipped out to Washington State because we we're going to go down the West Coast. Yeah. Get everyone there. It was like, oh, not only that, I had to figure out what schools are we going to go to. Wait, by the by, the best point, were you still in school? Or no, are you no, done? no, no. You I were done. done. Yeah. Okay, got it. Yeah, Keep yeah. going. Yeah. I had to figure out what colleges we're going to go yeah. to. I had to get a contact at every college. 
and Holy I had to cow. book hotels at every at every town that can support a forty five foot tour bus with a trailer. Yeah. So it was a ton and, of and, planning. And a yak, a mechanical yak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All in one month, I had to do this. Holy. So cow. I was grinding. I, I I hired on a friend of mine to come on as my assistant. Yeah. And we pulled it off. I went. I lived on this tour bus for four months. What? We went to thirty five universities. I had a camera crew with us. And you were videotaping everything. everything, and we had, we would have the mascot go on campus. This? this was back in 2014. Wow! And uh, and the it was such a success. We grew from a hundred thousand monthly active users when the tour started. Yeah. Four months later, we had 10 million monthly active users in four months. In four months, and the tour was a huge success. So Yik Yak was able to go raise their Series B. We raised another 62 million dollars. Because of that. Because of that. And yeah. they're like, all right, we need to do these all over the world. Yeah. So so, so after doing the whole tour, I derived what was the cheapest way to get a new user on the app? Yeah. And, you know, we had the bus, we had the yak, we had the this, the that, whatever. The simplest way to get someone to download the app was to trade them a pair of Yik Yak socks for them to download the app. Stop. So we derived, we did all this <laughs> to find out that if you give them a pair of socks, they'll download the app. They'll it was download like, the app It was like 80 socks. cents a download. So. Wow. We're like, all right, we want to break into um, other countries. So we looked at England, Ireland, New Zealand, and Australia. Yeah. yeah. So next year, I need to go to all these countries and do tours. Okay. So so I got to travel the world for the next year and a half so you or did, so. You, you actually did this? Yes. Yeah, so I went to Australia okay. for two months. I went to New Zealand for two months. I went to England for two months. I went to Ireland for two months. No bus, though. You were kind of doing this no with bus. just like the socks and... and I just... I hired yeah. really cool, like fun, charismatic people in yeah. each of these countries to, yeah. to come with me and my, my basically my yeah. assistant at the time. Yeah. And we went to these schools with, with humongous duffel bags of socks. We would yeah. ship them overseas <laughs> and we bring the yak mascot and it would literally like, okay, we're going to university of Dublin and we need, we need to get a thousand downloads in the next three days. How are we going to do it? A thousand well, downloads. So if we, we learned that if we got a thousand downloads over the course of the next two weeks, it would turn to 4,000 users because of word of mouth. Yeah. It was the network yeah, yeah, effect. Yeah, yeah. That was the uh, critical mass point, 1,000 yeah. users. So my job was to go to all these campuses in all these countries and get a thousand downloads per campus. Wow. And so we literally would go with a huge duffel bag of socks. Yeah. We'd bring the mascot. Yeah. And I would literally go on campus. Was no. your assistant dressed as the man, mascot? Who, who's I, I would wear it sometimes. You would wear it sometimes. Yeah, you, you would know, just switch it up. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta lead by example, right? I stink and love so it. So I wasn't too cool to wear it. I wore it and it was yeah. fun. You know, we had a good time. Yeah. And you know, so we, okay. University of Dublin, how are we going to get a thousand downloads? We have no contact there. We have nothing. So we yeah. show up. Hey, uh, excuse me. Can, can can I ask you a question? Yeah. So we're we're here from the U.S. We have this app, and we're looking to get a bunch of people. Like, what are the coolest nightlife spots? What are the coolest like blah blah blah? And we would learn. Yeah. And then we would go there. Hey, can we sponsor a party tonight? Can we bring the yak. Can we bring these socks. Yeah, yeah. sure. We'll yeah. buy five hundred shots up front. We'll give it because the drinking age in Europe was cheaper, and we'd like yeah. we'd exchange. Oh, you get a free shot if you download the app. Whatever I had to do to yeah. get a thousand. Yeah. And we would get a thousand. We'd move on to the next school, and I did that for about a year. All uh, across the world, it, all uh, all of New Zealand, New Ze all of Australia, okay. all of England, and all of Ireland. We went to wow. all the universities in these countries. That's wild. All the big universities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Um, and so anyway, those those tours went really well. Yeah. And so then we decided to sponsor Spring Break uh, oh. at Lake Havasu. So my job is now go live at Lake Havasu. Oh, we got man. a two hundred and fifty foot inflatable slip and slide, like. <laughs> <laughs> 
with a big yak head that spits water down. Like we spent like seventy five grand on this thing. Just to just to build this float float. Just to yeah, this build slide. it for yeah. Lake Havasu. Yeah. yeah. And so I went out, I lived out there for a month. And while I was there, yeah. a friend of mine, because I had started building a reputation for being good at marketing, right? Yeah. With the with Electric Flurry, with Yik Yak. Yeah. A friend of mine was in China at the Canton Fair because he was importing electronics for his business. And he calls yeah. me. He's like, Jared, I found this product that I think we got to do something with. And I was like, what is it? Yeah. He's like, well, I'm not going to tell you. I'm going to send you one because you're not going to believe me. And yeah. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. send me one. Yeah. So about a week later, I'm still at Lake Havasu. I get this package in the mail and it's this heavy it's box. Heavy. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell is this thing? So we, I open the box and I pull out a hoverboard. Yeah. But it was before anyone had ever seen hoverboards. I'm like, what? Like, no way. Like, what is this? Yeah. I plug it in. I had like maybe five people in my room and I, I get on it. And I'm like, oh, I can't balance. And then like I finally caught my balance. And I'm starting to ride it around the room. And everyone's like, oh, my God. Like, yeah, that's I remember crazy. the first time I saw a hoverboard. So yeah. I start riding it around the Lake Havasu resort that we were at. And everyone's running up to me like, where did you get that? How much was it? Where did you get that? How much? I'm like, I don't know how much it is. I got like, I don't know where you can get it. And I'm like, I need to start selling these. Yeah, we need to I need sell to start these. selling these. Yes. So I found a supplier that can ship them directly to a customer for 300 bucks. Okay. So I, I went, I started going to the Starbucks at like 7 a.m. working on a Shopify site. I took pictures with like this camera, you know, just made a, made a brand, literally yeah. like hired someone on Upwork to make a logo. Yeah. And I printed out business cards with my company website. And any, yeah. anytime anyone asked me, where do you get it? I said, right here. Right order here. One here. And now I started riding this thing around the malls, the airport, and everyone's breaking their necks looking at it. And I started uh, selling like, you know, there were days where I would sell like two or three of them. Yeah. You know, and I'm making $1,200. I'm selling them for $1,500. So I'm making 1200 bucks <laughs> each time. And <laughs> that's insane. So now I'm making more money than my salary. And yeah, I'm like, yeah, how yeah, do I yeah. sell a thousand of these and make a million dollars? Now yeah. I'm obsessed. Yeah. And I started thinking like, okay, I have one friend that has like 30,000 Instagram followers. Maybe if he posts, someone will buy yeah. it. Yeah. So, and he was a professional snowboarder. Okay. And, uh, and, and he was really good at riding it. So like he would post on his Instagram and we made like a few sales and I was like, whoa, I was like, yeah. he's got 30,000 and he happened to know all these kids in LA that had like millions of followers and he, and after you know t talking whatever he's like hey i got us a meeting uh with yeah. nash greer hayes greer kenny holland and and uh i forget the name of the other person mm -hmm. but they all had like anywhere from like five to like 15 million followers on instagram wow so we fly out to la and we go to their house and they're riding it around the tennis court and they're all like mind blown by this thing yeah and they they invite their manager over he was a little bit older than them you know in, maybe in like his early 40s okay cool guy and he's like jared these kids never want to do business deals. Like I'm always trying to push them, but they are begging me to do something with this. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I think I'm on to something here. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I don't have that much money for inventory. And like, yeah. so I'm, I'm like, what if, what if they all invest five grand? They each get 5% of the company. I'll give, I'll give them 20% total. Yeah. And then they can all post and blow it up. Yeah. And that's what we did. And our first month we sold about a quarter million dollars in hoverboards, <laughs> literally from a few posts. Now I'm like, whoa, I'm about to make millions of dollars. Right. So right. so it gets a little crazier. I find out that Mark Cuban is buying the patent on the hub. I didn't have a patent on it, right? I'm just getting these things from China. Yeah, yeah. Some guy in China had the patent. Mark Cuban's buying the patent. And I'm like, first my heart sunk. I'm like, oh, this is not good. Like our yeah. business is good. And then I'm like, wait a minute. Maybe this is an opportunity. Yeah. So I'm like, I need to get in touch with Mark Cuban. I don't know how. 
Now, so, this whole time, you're still at Yik Yak. I'm still at Yik Yak. And this is kind of like a side project. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm considering leaving because, I, yeah. you know, from like, I'm making more money. And uh, so, so anyway, yeah, I'm like, I got to get in touch with Mark Cuban. Yeah. And I'm like, how do I do that? Like, I don't know anyone that knows him. And I found out he had his own app called Dust. And okay. it was like a messaging app where all the messages disappear. So like, uh, oh, interesting. So it's like maybe if I message him on Dust, he'll answer. Yeah. So I, I download Dust. I message him on Dust. I'm like, hey, Mark, this is Jared Getz. I own Glider. It's a hoverboard yeah. brand. I heard you're buying the patent. Let me know if you're interested in talking. And about five minutes later, I get a response. Hey, let's talk. I'm like, whoa. What? Hold on a minute. Now, this is a story. I do not know this story. So so yeah. So it gets interesting now. So. Mark Cuban answers me. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. So then I have to go back to Australia for like uh, maybe, I think it was like two more weeks or something okay. like that. And I fly back from Australia and I, I was I was taking a little break because I had been on the road. I've been grinding, hustling. So it was, um, I, I came back to New York for a little break okay. and, and I'm texting with Mark Cuban at this point. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to call you on Friday. And it was okay. like a Tuesday or whatever. And I'm like, I just got back to the US. I'm super jet lagged. I'm hanging out at my mom's place and I'm waiting for this call from Mark Cuban on Friday. And I'm like, you know, I have a bunch of friends in New York that I wanted to see and go hang out with. And I'm like, uh, I don't want to go do that. I don't want to like go drink and like be in a bad state of mind. I want to be sharp for this call with Mark Cuban. Yeah. Friday at like 5 p.m. He's like, hey, sorry, I've been tied up with the family. I'll call you tomorrow. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, fine. Like I've, he pushed it back like two times. Yeah. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go hang out with my friends Friday night. We go out. And we're like, I'm kind of feeling like on top of the world because I had like maybe 10 grand in my bank account, which is like the most yeah. I've had in a long time. And yeah. I was like, I was just feeling real good, you know. And um, so I go out and I'm, I'm like drinking and I'm partying. And Mark. So so anyway, so the next day, uh, Saturday, I'm like, I'm hungover. Yeah. And I feel horrible. And we're walking down the street in New York City and we, we pass a kava bar. And I had heard about kava. It was yeah. like a drink that makes you feel relaxed. Yeah. And I love like trying new things. So I'm like. I'm like, let's go try some kava. And and the guy, you know, we get there and the guy's like, yeah, you need to drink two bowls of it if you've never had it before to like break your, you know, to break your barrier and feel anything. So I what, what, is it a, is it a caffeine, caffeinated no, thing? It's or? like, um, it's some root, a root, like, okay. a root from okay. Southeast Asia that just like makes you feel relaxed or whatever. Okay. I just wanted to try it. Yeah. So I drink it and then I find out that if you have alcohol in your system, it makes you feel sick. And oh. I still had alcohol in my system from the day before. Oh. So... I'm like, you know, I drink this thing. I get, I go back to my friend's apartment and I'm like, I have to throw up. Yeah. So I'm literally like head in the toilet bowl, throwing up. I get a text from Mark Cuban calling you in five minutes. Oh. And I'm like, no, this is the worst possible time. <laughs> I felt all like loopy and lightheaded. I'm puking. My eyes are bloodshot. <laughs> and uh, oh. so I'm like, all right, Jared, you got to get it together. Splash water on my face. I'm in my friend's like tiny apartment in New York. They didn't even have an elevator. It was like, you know, the cheapest apartment in New York City. Yeah. I run down like seven flights of stairs. I'm waiting for Mark to call me. And I'm like, all right, you got this. You got this. Yeah. Calls me. I get on a call with him. He's like, Jared, how's it going? I'm like, oh, my God. Like Mark Cuban really called me. Yeah. So I'm on a phone with him. And we talk for like 15 minutes. Yeah. And he's like, you know, I really like the brand that you built. And yeah. I'm buying the patent on this hoverboard. I'm interested in partnering with you. And I'm, I'm literally like, how is this happening right now? Yeah. Mark Cuban wants to partner with me on the yeah. hoverboards? Yeah. So I get off the call with him. I'm like, it's, so it's October at this time. What year? 15 or 14 still? Like 15. 15, okay. Yeah. It's uh, October, which means you know November, December are the biggest months Christmas. of the year to sell hoverboards. Oh, yeah. So he emails me. 
the next day he's like, Hey, I want to partner with you, but you need to stop selling your cheap Chinese knockoff hoverboards and wait for my patent to go through in February. So my partner and I are like, man, like we could probably make like a couple million dollars in November. We sold, we, we couldn't even keep up with the orders from these influencers. And I'm like, you know, I could either make a few million dollars or I can wait until February and partner with Mark Cuban. And maybe that'll be worth hundreds of millions. Maybe who knows what that Yeah, who worth. knows? Who knows? So me and my partner are going back and forth on it for like, like a few days. And like, we're, we're talking to his dad and his dad's like, you guys need to keep selling. And I'm yeah. like, I'm like, yeah, but I really want to partner with Mark Cuban. And it was a really hard decision. Yeah. And we decided let's stop selling. Okay. Let's, let's partner so, with Mark Cuban. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to pause you right there. So I'm, I'm, I'm like, I love this because I don't know this part of the story. Yeah. I love this. I'm wondering at this point, like, what is, like, because I know, I know, who, like, who you are today in terms of the reflection and, and, and the walks that you do and the perfect walk. And I know who you are today. I'm wondering during, obviously, you have everything going on with Yik Yak. You're trying to run that. And you've got this this massive opportunity you're selling all of these hoverboards what are you using for you read the book was did you start doing anything else from a self-development standpoint to really kind of like give you the clarity on the decision that you made not yet it got get there soon so yeah yeah, this is still before the personal development stuff but you read the way of the peaceful warrior was any of that where you're able to kind of like pull i I was like I became aware of some of this stuff, but okay. I didn't really dive deep until like a couple of years later. Okay. So yeah, basically we stopped selling long story short. He doesn't end up getting the patent, but it was all good because yeah. I, you know, it was, a, it was fun. We made some money. I left my job at Yik Yak. I flew out to China myself okay. to go to the Canton fair to try to find the next hoverboard. Yeah. And I'll, I'll sum up this next chapter. You know, I found some other cool products. I was started importing them to the U S and I was, you know, selling uh, those inflatable loungers I was selling, um, you know, people that are listening definitely know you wave them through the air. They fill up. And you call, oh, like yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. So I discovered those. I brought those. And um, and then so I was selling like I was going to trade shows. We're selling a retail on Amazon, Shopify. We're grinding. You know, we had five teams on the ground every weekend at different music festivals. And we're just like selling these things. And that's yeah. when I was living in L.A. OK. And so. It was, um, we, we were at a trade show called Outdoor Retailer. Okay. And we were there for three days, you know, selling, talking to people. And it was, um, I had a flight the next day back home at 7 a.m. Okay. And it was midnight after three days of talking to people. I'm exhausted. And I'm like, all right, I got to yeah. get up early, go to the airport. And I get a little ding on my email that says, it was from a marketer. He says, how to sell products without ever seeing or touching them. And I was like, what does that mean? Like, yeah. I don't know what that means. Like, eh, let me open the email real quick. Yeah. Open the email. I watch a webinar on drop shipping. Okay. And I was fascinated by drop shipping because I can go on AliExpress, find any product I want to sell, put it on a Shopify store and run ads to it. So my brain started going crazy. Yeah. I got to the airport the next morning at 4 a.m. So I had some time. I built my first drop shipping store. And that store grew from zero to $2 million in 60 days. So that's where Good that... Gracious. And right around that time is when I, I discovered... so. Let me intersect that story with yeah. kind of how I'd start diving into this personal development stuff. Yeah. So I fly back to LA. My wife and I, before, you know, she was my girlfriend at the time. We decided we're moving back to Florida. Yeah. And we were we were moving in like, so I was supposed to fly back. And then I had like five days before I was going to like drive from LA to Florida. 
And a friend of mine, uh, Brett Lockett, who's an ex-NFL player, who's a mentor to me, cool guy, he invited me to go do a Tony Robbins seminar with him. Which one? Uh, UPW. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Unleash the Power. Yeah, and I was like, "Eh, I don't really know about this, but whatever, Brett's going, yeah, I'll go. It sounds fun. Where was this at? In Florida? This was in L.A. In L.A. So this is before, so I was supposed to leave for Florida the day after the event's over. Yep. Right, so I started the dropshipping store, and it was like, you know, I was making a few hundred bucks a day, and I go to this event. And I'm like mind blown by like energy and like all this stuff I was learning. And we did this one specific like meditation yeah. where you, you imagine yourself as someone else who just truly loves and cares about you yeah. looking at your future life. So I imagine myself as my aunt cause she always wants the best for me. Yeah. And I'm basically walking up to my future house. I'm looking at my driveway. I'm admiring my cars. I'm walking into the house. I'm admiring the paintings and the pictures of my family on the wall. I'm walking into this beautiful home. I walk up the stairs. I'm admiring the master bedroom. I walk into the bathroom and I look in the mirror and it's me the whole time. And it was yeah. like, whoa, I just loved my future life without sabotaging it from my own lens. Yeah. And I had this like crazy feeling like I've never felt before. Fast forward, we drive, we're driving from LA to Florida. All these thoughts started coming to my brain seemingly out of nowhere yeah it was like tried little things like try to double this ad set or try to whatever so i had to hire people to run my store when i was driving so i I would think of something make a call hey let's try doubling this ad set let's try duplicating this let's try this whatever during that drive my store went from doing about a thousand dollars a day on day one day two we did like 2500 day three we did like seven grand day four we did like 15 by the last day i did fifty thousand dollars in sales in a day in one day yeah and it went from a thousand to fifty thousand in five days. Yeah. So I was like, this is too good to be true. Like, thank yeah. you, God, but I know this isn't gonna continue. So I'm you know, my bank account's like growing tremendously faster than it ever has before. Yeah. Fast forward, we get to Florida. Um, you know, about two months later, I had to drop off Madeline to go do someone's hair. She was a hairstylist. Yeah. And I had like two hours to kill. And I'm like, I can either go home or I'm like, eh, I'm sitting up. I'm scrolling on cars. Doc, I have all this new cash in my bank account. I'm scrolling. I'm looking at cars, and I see this Lamborghini at uh, the dealership. It's like five minutes away from me. So I'm like, yeah. I'm just gonna go look at it. You know, yeah. no plans. Yeah. I end up buying it on the spot in cash, and then I'm driving it for like two weeks, and I realize that that car was the exact same car that was in my vision in my driveway. Yeah, it, it, it unleashed a power. It, wow. It, it, I somehow manifested this physical car from a vision. Yeah. And at that moment, I was like, whoa. Yeah. There's more to this than I than I had realized because I just experienced. I went from like pretty much having, you know, I was grinding. I was working hard, but I didn't really have much money. Yeah. I was just getting by. Yeah. I was supporting us in L.A., but like not really doing well, like not not rich by any means. Yeah. To driving this car that was like a dream car of mine in my visions, you know, about 60, 70 days later. 70 days from that vision. And it and it happened in a way that I could have never expected it to. Right, right. So at that moment, I was like, okay, I need to dive deeper into this personal development stuff. And that's that's when the journey really started. And so that would have been what year? That would have been 15 or 16? That was, no, that was like, I think, yeah, 16, yeah, 16. going into 17. So you get to Florida and you, you have this car and I would imagine... That would have, what do you, what, what, what was it that, how did that change you? 
So, well, you know, the, just because you see this vision come to life. Yeah. So I realized that, like, if you can visualize something and put emotion behind it, somehow the universe works in a way to get it for you. I didn't realize this that deeply yet. Now right. I do. Yeah. But I realized that there's more to manifestation than I had thought. Yeah. So I decided, okay, I'm going to rent us a condo on the ocean for like six months. Yeah. And I'm going to really dive into this stuff. I'm going to get up every morning. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to go on my walks. I'm going to visualize. And, um, and I, I, when I was at the Tony Robbins event, he always talked about how like he bought a house or he rented a house that was like out of his budget, but it changed his standards. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm going to go rent a, a condo that's like out of my league so yeah. I can change my standards. And we, yeah. we got this condo on the beach. It was like 21 floors up. We had a 180 degree wraparound balcony, like, you know, see the sunrise through all the glass windows. Yeah. Every, it was an unbelievable view. Yeah. And I just started getting up every morning, going down to the beach for sunrise, like bringing down a cup of coffee and some like good music and just really trying to feel this energy. Yeah. And, yeah. um, you know, from there, I, I mean, in the last maybe six or seven years, I've spent thousands of hours meditating. I've read hundreds of books. I've been to, you know, countless seminars. I've been to meditation retreats. I've done plant medicine journeys and all these experiences, you know, not necessarily, you don't necessarily learn new things. You, yeah. you learn the things that you thought you knew at a deeper level. At a deeper, yep. That makes sense. Yes. Yeah. So when you, when you think about now, obviously the level of, because from, from the time that you had this, you know, the UI, you know, the UPW, right? Like the Unleash the Power and you have this vision between that and then the car shows up. We're, this was a very short time very frame, short right? time. Very, for, very short time frame. What do you say to the entrepreneur right now who's listening to this? And they're 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 like me. They're just like, like this. Your journey is so in, you know incredible. It's got the highs and lows. And I and I and I and I. This is one thing I need you to, to touch on. Is is that in all of everything that you had, it wasn't all rainbows and unicorns. Oh uh, no. You know what I mean? Like, and I think people need to understand that and yeah. that even when, even when the, the Lamborghini becomes into the picture, it's still not always rainbows and unicorns. Not even close. And I, and I think that's something you have to, t to touch on because some people, I call it destination disease, right? It's like, I'm going to be successful when I get that. Yep. Right. So talk a little bit about that to help an entrepreneur that's hearing this, that's going, Hey, I want to manifest X into my life. Yeah, I could sum this one up really well. So most people focus on what do they need to do, right? They say, okay, I want to get here. How am I going to do it? Well, I need to do this, and then I need to do that. And once I do that, then this person will be able to do this for me, and then I can go and do that, and then this thing can happen, and then finally I can go in and get that, and then I'll be here. Mm -hmm. But that's not the way the world works. We live in a universe of unlimited possibilities, and when you expect things to happen a certain way, they don't happen that way, almost ever, especially if there's many things that have to get you there. Most people are focused on the outcome. They're, and when the outcome is not what their expectations are, they feel separation from the outcome. They feel lack. They feel stress. They feel anxiety. And then they get those feelings, and those feelings produce thought patterns that don't push them toward where they want to go. Yeah. So instead of focusing on what do you need to do and attaching yourself to the outcome, I, what I like to do is focus more on who do I need to be, meaning what type of person do I need to be? Yeah. Do I need to be more compassionate, more loving, more giving, more happy? And know that if I can feel that way, my thought patterns, which are derived from my subconscious and they're, 
you know, I like to look at, you know, the way you feel is a, is really just an energetic pattern, yeah. right? Like a hundred years ago, we couldn't measure x-rays a hundred, you know, a hundred years ago, uh, phone, you know, uh, FaceTime, Wi-Fi wasn't a thing, right? Yeah. The way you feel is a, is a, is a vibration essentially. Yeah. And we can't measure it cause it, it's too fast. We don't have instruments to measure it, but it is, it's, it, yep. you know, the way you, well, feel, you is can a feel it, like there is a definite feeling that you get from people that are in that state. Yeah. And you know, you ever notice that like there's certain people you're just like really attracted to, you want to yep. spend more time around because they vibrate a certain way. And yep. when you feel that way, you attract thought patterns that are equal to your feeling. Yeah. So instead of focusing on what do I need to do and being attached to the outcome, you focus on who do I need to be mm-hmm. and letting go of the outcome and knowing, you know, that since there's an unlimited possibilities, you know, that could happen, meaning, okay, I'll give a crazy example. There could be, you know, a bird can fly into the window right now. And like, you know, someone can get up and open the window and then, you know, this, this podcast can be shut down and it never comes out, you know, whatever. That's a ridiculous example, but there's unlimited things that could happen. We live in a unlimited universe. that's billions of years old that we can't really comprehend. So if you can feel the way you want to feel, and you can vibrate at that capacity, you don't need to worry about the outcomes because things are going to happen that you don't expect to happen. True. And if you're attaching yourself to that, it it inevitably causes you to feel differently. Yeah. And and then it's a paradigm because when you feel differently, then you think differently and you don't get propelled towards where you want to go. I love that. So I like to spend time in the morning, first thing in the morning. I have a walking formula I use. Yeah. I call it the perfect walk. I'm actually writing a book about it right now. Yeah. You know, and you like to run, people like to meditate, whatever it is, there's solitude where you get to feel a certain way. Yeah. I do a walking formula because it it, it hits all the different parts of my being that I want to do. It's basically the first part is opening your heart, you know, feeling love. Second part is feeling your power. Third part is a moment of letting go and being totally present. Yeah. Fourth part is feeling connected to God or source or whatever you believe in is a greater power. Yeah. And the last part's a celebration. Yeah. And when I go through this, I, you know, I feel all these things. I've activated all these parts of myself. And by the end of it, I'm like, okay, I've done the work for the day. Time to let, let go of the outcomes and try to be in the present moment and know yeah. that I'm being guided to where I need to go because I feel this way. Yeah. So the, the, the most people focus on what do I need to do? They have outcomes that are not what they expected and they attach their emotional being to the outcome, yeah. which propels them in the wrong direction. And, and, and I think you're, you're, that idea of atta- being attached to an outcome, right? I think this is a, the piece to focus on too, right? It, it, which is the destination disease, right? It's my outcome is, I, I'll never forget, I told my coach, and, and I don't think I've shared this with you, but I remember sharing with my coach at one point. I think I'd had Luxury Magazine for two years and I told him, I said, you know, I, I finally figured, I figured out my burning desire. I'd read Napoleon, uh, 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 you know, Think You Grow Rich. Yep. And I had been looking at chapter two for so many years going, okay, I've got, what is my burning desire? So I, I figured it out. I wrote it down. My burning desire was $500,000, <laughs> right? Yeah. That was my burning desire. I call my coach and I'm like, I've got my burning desire. I want to have $500,000 in my bank account. And I, I mean, I'm like so pumped. We're on the phone. Now, Cindy Mendelson was from New York. Sid, if you're out there, please reach out. Sid goes, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard of. <laughs> and I remember sitting there, it was just like, but it's my burning desire. Like, like how do you say that's stupid? You know what I mean? But, but what he, he t- shared with me was this idea is that I was attaching, attaching myself to a very specific outcome, right? 
without the idea of like, hey, who are you going to be? Like, mm-hmm. what are you trying, yep. you know, what are you trying to become? Yep. Because what you're trying to become will lead you to whatever it is, because maybe it's more than 500,000. Yep. Maybe it's more than the Lamborghini. Yep. You know, so that outcome piece, I think, is critical. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've totally shifted the way I, I so like there's another concept that's pretty interesting and it kind of describes what we were just talking about, but in a different light. And I will say before I even get into that, understanding something conceptually is good, yeah. right? Like people listening to this or reading Napoleon Hill, whatever. It's good. Yeah. But when you experience it, it's a thousand times more powerful. So when you do these things and you, you internalize them, since when we're when we're talking or we're reading or we're listening, we're communicating through language. Language was created to close a, a, a separation, a gap. Yeah. Right. There's things that are way more powerful than language can explain. So when you're reading something and you're internalizing it, it's good, but you need to do it and you need to experience it. True. So, so you know, that's just the first thing I want to say. Yeah. Second thing is, you know, one way to describe this whole thing that we're talking about um, is a kind of a newer concept that I've been talking about is yeah. um, linear creation versus multidimensional creation. Okay. Most people operate with linear creation. So again, I need to do this first and then that can happen. And then... Finally, when I get here, I can go raise that money and then I can go, you know, go to this guy and this guy and then finally we'll get bought out here. Yeah. But it doesn't happen that way. Something will happen differently. Multidimensional creation is how do I need to feel? What does the guy who got there feel like? How can I feel that way right now? And and now I need to believe that when I feel that way, I'll get there. Yeah. And I make it there way faster than I thought I could. And maybe it takes a bit longer than I thought. Or maybe I don't get there. Maybe I get somewhere else that's much greater. Or beyond. So internalizing mm. multi-dimensional creation on a daily basis, because the other problem is we wake up, what's the first thing that comes to most people's minds? It's yeah. the problems from the day before. Oh, what do I have to do today? Yeah. Okay, what's my calendar today? And it's a vicious cycle when you don't take the time in the morning to re- re-realize what you are, Yeah. right? Because we're, we're, we have these realizations, but then you start a new day, you kind of wake up, you're, you're born again into the world. Mm. And most people think, okay, the problem from yesterday pops up or I have this to do or that to do. And now it's it's a cycle, yeah. right? Yeah. So if you can take time in the morning, which is why a morning routine is really important, and it doesn't even really matter what you do as long as there's some kind of solitude in there. I like yeah. the walk because it's it's simple, it's fun, it's easy, it works. Yeah. Um, but you take the time and you re-realize all these lessons. It's, a, it, it's not important. It's necessary to take that time in the morning to re-realize. Otherwise, you're going to go through the same cycle, same thought patterns. True. And you can look at it from, you can look at it from, uh, you know, uh, an easy to understand, or you can, you know, think that there's higher power. Whatever it is, if you're having those thought patterns on the, on the same, you know, on a daily basis, you could imagine, okay, well, when you remember your problems, you feel the same way you felt yesterday, you're going to manifest the same thing again. Yeah. Or you know, you, you feel the same problems in the morning. So your thought patterns are going to lead you down the same path again today, whatever it may be. Yeah. The important thing is taking that time in the morning to re-realize what we are, which where the conversation goes deeper. It's like, well, what are we? Yeah. It will go part of your walk to open up, right? You open up your heart to what's going on. Gratitude. Yeah. Right. There's a, I think that's a, that's a piece that a lot of people miss. Oh yeah. Is that, you know, that being able to be thankful that we, number one, live live here in the U.S. You know what I mean? I mean, like, There's we're, in the greatest, we're in the greatest time ever, you know, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, too, right? But 
just starting with that can really shift your vibration. Yeah. I mean, another thing to realize is that we have limited, people say we have limited uh, decisions we can make in a day. We have limited thoughts we can have in a day. It all comes down to we have limited amounts of energy that we can use for the day. Yeah. And when you wake up and you remember your problems from the day before, it triggers you into a fight or flight mode. Yeah, that's Where true. your energy is not in you to create now. Now it's externally and you're and it's all over the place and you're thinking all these thoughts and you and, and your mind is is there to protect you, right? It's to serve you. But it's actually not serving you. Your mind is just telling you all the worst case scenarios for the most part. Yeah. And it's causing you stress. And now we live in a time where there's so many things going on, so many distractions yeah. that we don't even know where the stress is coming from. It might be it might be something as simple as, oh, I need to email that guy. Yeah. Or it might be like a comment you read on Instagram first thing in the morning. You don't yeah. know where it's coming from. But when you have those stressful thoughts, you're in a fight or flight mode, your energy is external. So you don't have the energy internally to manifest with. Yeah. So when you can just wake up, re-realize, and remember that just by staying in the present moment, you have way more power to create from that from that space. One hundred percent. Then it makes sense to do that. Yeah. It's a, and this is this is uh, you know this idea of living in the you know with with your your eyes in the rearview mirror or living with your eyes forward, right on the on the windshield that's right in front of you. It, that the you know. Um, it can be very easy to constantly be looking backwards. Like, what if? What if? Yeah. Or, oh, I wish I didn't. You know, these problems, all these problems. But if you look, can look forward and focus on what's in front of you or internally, right? Like what you're saying is kind of really work on who you are on yep. a daily basis. So what do you think was the biggest change that you were able to make you know, as you went down this journey from plant-based to self-development to other classes, what do you think were the first two big things that really clicked that have made the biggest difference in your life? So, yeah, I've, I've done these plant medicine journeys I told you about. And through those experiences, I've, I've internalized some of these lessons way deeper than just conceptually. And okay. like one of them is it's so simple, right? It's like life is all about love. Yeah. Like, what does that mean to you? What does that mean to like someone listening right now? It, and the, the thing is, it means something different to you as you grow. Yeah. So like sure. when I realized life is all about love, I realized that, okay, if I just take a moment and realize like in this present moment right now, everything's perfect. The only thing that's not perfect is my projections of the future, which are not there yet, or my memories of the past, which don't exist anymore. Yeah. So if I'm in this very moment, everything's perfect right now, yeah. right? And if life is all about love, it's just all about feeling perfect in the moment. You start giving more to people. You live in a place like, for example, many people are in relationships and they, you know, they, they look at it from, um, from a selfish perspective. What can I get out of this? Right. Yeah. That's, that's what the mind and the ego is always looking. What can I get out of this? Um, you know, back in my early days of my relationship, it was like, you know, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to fly. We're going to fly somewhere, but I don't want to buy a first class ticket for her. Right. Mm, it's like, I'm not yeah. getting anything out of that. Yeah. And what does that do? What does that cause you to feel? That causes you to feel resentment. That causes you to feel negative emotions towards the person. Yeah. But when you can shift to, I want to serve this person for the sake, cause I love them and I want to give to them. Yeah. You feel way better internally. Yeah. Your energy is still internally. Like, you know, a silly little example. I, I, I might've told you a story, may not. I went to go get my blood work done at a lab core and there was one person working. There was like nine people in the waiting room and, and she was taking my blood and she was stressed out. And she's like, man, I wish I could have got my sweet tea from Sonic this morning. And my brain immediately was like, 
what are you doing drinking sweet tea in the morning? I was like, hold on right. a second. That's not a place of love. Right, 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 right. So I was like, right. let me let me give this woman some love. Yeah. So I was like, all right, like just start, you know, talk and make her laugh, whatever. And then I left and I was like, I have all the time in the world. Let me, let me go get her sweet tea from Sonic. So I yeah. drove to Sonic, spent $1 on it, came back. I walked in and she saw me and broke into tears like from. Oh, wow. And the and it wasn't about that she felt that good. Oh, yeah, that's great, right? Yeah. But the emotion that I got from yeah. doing that yeah. was such a beautiful feeling that almost nothing could have replaced it. Right. And it was just because I was acting from a place of love. Yeah. Now I leave that experience. I feel amazing. Yeah. What kind of thought patterns do you think I have? Yeah. I have abundance. I have, you know, limitless thoughts. If I would have if I would have acted the way my mind initially reacted, which is what the hell are you doing drinking sweet tea first thing yeah. in the morning? Yeah. I would have the you know, she's work she's, you know, doing this, she's stressed because of this, whatever. That doesn't serve me at all. Didn't that just you. makes me look at the world in a negative way. Yeah. That's so, good. So realizing that life is all about love means something different to you every time you you look at it or as you grow. Yeah. But I'd say that was the most out of all the lessons when you derive it all down to the bake the base yeah like that's the that's the core i would imagine too as a as a new father right like new father your son i would imagine that even got like magnified like tenfold right like as a new dad yeah so uh my congratulations by the way thank you thank you yeah as you know my the labor experience was crazy we talked about that you know you had similar experience oh yeah and um it was the you know we Long story short, we did the home birth, didn't work. She was in labor for three days. We rushed to the hospital. Baby's heart rate dropped. I'm up for three days, so I have all these negative thoughts, like, oh, I'm going to lose my wife. I'm going to lose my baby. Like, horrible thoughts were coming to my brain, and I'm like, like, stop thinking that. Stop thinking that. It was the most fearful, stressful day of my life. And then when my son was born, the next day was was filled with the most love I've ever felt. Yeah. So it's like pain always has an equal or greater pleasure on the other side of it if you can stick it through and then you know a few nights later i'm in bed with you know my wife and baby and i'm like i don't really care about anything else in the world except for this right now yeah 100 and it's just a it's just another lesson that comes with life and you know you can learn these things through you don't need to have a baby to learn these things yes but when you live in the same cycles every day, you don't learn any of this stuff. That's why it's so important to re-realize and re-remember and take the time in the morning to reset yourself. Yeah. And you naturally do this because you're a runner and you get up and you exercise and you have your moments of solitude. Yeah. But, and you may not even realize how great that is for you. Yeah. Most people don't do that. Most yeah. people, most people wake up, they eat breakfast, they get in the car and they drive to work. Yeah. Yeah. And they get home, they're too tired and now they watch a Netflix show and they go to sleep. Yeah. Most people. Yeah, for sure. You know, one of the, the probably the most powerful thing I started doing in my, and it's funny, my mom found my middle school journal. Okay. Like I was spiral of a middle school journal and I didn't realize I was a journaler in like middle school and whatnot, but I've been journaling since about two, oh, you know, 2000. Yeah. 2000. I started in 2000 and I started as a teacher journal. It was like my journal that I would write for all when I was a teacher and I would just write stories. I would write things that was going on in my life. I used it as uh, almost like my you know, when I was reading from the Bible, I would write out different things that I wanted to remember. And anyway, so so journaling has become probably like that piece of your walk, right? Like that piece of, hey, 
it's not just, hey, I had tacos last night. It's more of like an introspective what is going on. It's where the whole idea of my why that I shared on your podcast, you know, I talk about my granddaughter, why I want to work out because I want to live long enough to see, you know, my granddaughter. Um, but the idea is what even if though in those moments, that quiet space of journaling, writing down some of those thoughts, and I always laugh because my wife and I talk about this, and my wife is like, I, I don't want to write down some of my thoughts. And I was yeah. like, I said, well, that's probably the best reason why you should, should yeah. right? Because like, whatever that is that, you're, that they're thinking, even if it is in a vibration that's not necessarily what you would feel like is positive, Whatever it is, it's giving you an insight yeah. to where you're at, yeah. and getting it on paper can have you look at it and start reflecting. Yeah, it it's gives, powerful. It, so there's a couple of points there. If there, if you're, I have like three points I want to talk about on that. Yeah, one. please. If you have emotions that you're worried about, those are things that you need to get out. Otherwise, they store themselves deep inside of you, and then they change the way you see the world. And by releasing them, great, right? Another point is. We have millions of thoughts every day. We're very complex. So we don't know how we feel, why we feel certain ways. And we're and when you write, you can dive into something and you can get clarity on it. You can work with yourself as opposed yeah. to just thinking about doing it. The third point is you might someone might journal and they might have a great experience. And then the next day they remember what their experience was like. And they're like, well, I don't need a journal today. I know what I'm going to get out of it already. And their mind is very good at convincing them not to do it. True. Just like meditating or walking. Oh, yeah, I had that experience. I know that experience. I don't need to actually have the experience again. But when you do it again, it's way different or way greater than you could have imagined. Yes. So your mind will keep you from doing things like meditation, for example. I've went through this cycle many times where I, I started meditating. I'm literally calling people. I had the most amazing experience today. I feel amazing. And then my mind gets into a cycle where it's like, oh, you've meditated enough. Yeah. You already got the benefit from it. You don't need to actually meditate to get the benefit of it. You already yeah. know what the benefit yeah. is. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, fine. And then I, go, I, I get into a pattern where I don't. And then I'm like, I need to start meditating again. And yeah. then the experience I have is a thousand times deeper than what I could have thought yeah. the experience was. 100%. Yeah. And that kind of goes with exercise, right? Like the idea is, well, I've exercised and I've felt exhausted. You still got to exercise. Yeah. Right, right? Like, like no matter what, like if you want your body to last, like if health is wealth and we want our bodies to be in the best health, like, you know, my dad's 68 and he's, you know, still Amazing. working out, still hitting yeah. the golf balls, getting hit it just as far as I can, just as strong. He's training my son right now. That's amazing. They're working out and, and lifting weights, and he's doing everything my son is doing, yeah. you know? And I sit there, and I was like, I was like man, Jared, we got to be the same way. We got to be 68 oh, yeah. and working with our grandkids, yeah. right? Like, I mean, that would be, wouldn't that be the ultimate, you know, to me, I look at it as a, as a full life, to be able to do that with my grandkids. Oh, that's... Come on. That's what it's all about. But we get so caught up in our problems right now that we lose sight of those things. Yes. The, the thing is like, and when it comes to working out, I feel like you, I feel like you do, you have a lot of great habits. I'm the type of person that likes to look at like the why and like the deeper meaning behind yeah. it. So like when you're working out, you have these conflicts that happen in your head, right? You start yeah. running and, and your mind's like, stop running. And you're like, yes. no, I'm going to keep going. And your mind's like, your leg hurts. No, it doesn't hurt. You're fine. And you, yes. and, and you, and, and like you, for example, you win <laughs> these battles every day. Yeah. And it, you, you, so the way I like to look at it is like, there's your true self and there's your mind or your ego. You can yeah. call it right. Yeah. Your true self is the part of you. That's like when you feel inspired 
or motivated. It's like the part of you that like sees the future you like you're, that's your true self, right? Yeah. Your mind is the thing that's like always trying to protect you, but it's not always serving you. Yeah. So when you go for a run, running is a great example and you know better than anyone, you yeah. have all these inner conflicts. But the thing is, if every time you win one of those battles, you give a point to your true self. Every time you lose one of those battles, you give a point to your mind. Yes. So by not exercising, you don't really have that many opportunities to win battles with your mind. You may have a battle that comes up, you know, after dinner, there's like, oh, should we get dessert? And like, again, nothing wrong with eating dessert. But right. but if your true self is trying to lose weight or your true self is trying to be healthier, yeah. then it doesn't serve you to eat dessert. But your mind right. is like, oh, give me that dopamine from the dessert. Yeah. And if you're not exercising, you don't have that many opportunities to win the battles. Yep. So exercising gives you the opportunity to win those battles, give power to your true self over your mind, which ultimately leads you to where you want to go, which is, yes. you know, from outside of just a physical perspective, the mental strength you get from it, from winning those battles over and over again, it makes it so that when you go into the office and you need to write an email, right? Your mind's like, oh, I don't feel like doing it. Well, we don't need you right now. Yeah. We're, we've yeah. already gotten the power, right? And it's like, all of life is basically winning conflicts over your mind and staying on track and working 100%. out. Working out is not only just working out your physical body, you're powering your true self to yeah. be able to win those battles in every other area of life. Yeah, 100. There's a book about, have you ever read The Slight Edge? Have no. you ever heard about it? No, I haven't. It's a, it's a very fascinating book that was written. Jeff Olson wrote it. And, and it's a philosophy, right? It, it's simple, easy to do task, repeated consistently, gives you the life that you want to have. Yep. Simple, easy to do. It's easy to, easy to do and easy not to do. Yep. Right? And, and, and he just says that this philosophy is you, you know, you almost imagine like there's two forks in the road, right? And it's like, okay, I could run today or I could choose not to run today. Yep. Right? But over time, the more that I say no leads me oh, yeah. further away from the person that I want to be. The more that I say yes to what I want and where I want to go, that's the slight edge of taking you to the next direct, uh, uh, the, the, to the next level. And he had studied all of the major um, uh, speakers, motivational speakers at the time. He, he, there was actually a motivational television station at one point, hmm. and he ran it. This guy, Jeff Olson, ran it. And he's like, look, all these people were saying all of this stuff, but no one was getting people to the point of saying, hey, you've got to repeatedly make these decisions. Yeah. Right? And, and you know what else happens when you make those repeated decisions? You build confidence. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, so there's a version of you that exists today and there's a version of you that exists in the future. And that version of you in the future, again, from the slight edge, you can say, right? Yeah. One version's up here, one version's down here. Yeah. The version up here, so what, what happens is, is when you have those decisions, should I run or should I not run? Yeah. If you've made the decision already, like, hey, I'm gonna run every day this week, and then you lose the battle, yeah. your subconscious mind, the, the part of you that's judging everything you do, yeah. is like, Oh, like you didn't even run today, even though we said we were going to. All right. Well, like that's the type of person we are, I guess. Right. Yeah. Your confidence goes down. But if you're like, hey, I'm going to run every day this week and you get up and do it every day, your subconscious that's judging you is like, we are strong. We could do whatever we say we're going to do. Now what happens yeah. is your confidence is higher. And then when opportunities come into your world, yeah. you either a, you know, you, your confidence, you're like, we can do that. B, you're not confident. And you're like, I don't think we can do that. Or C, you're so not confident that you don't even see it as an opportunity that Didn't could even up. be for you. Yeah. So yeah. 
when it comes to working out and business, for example, when you build that confidence, like for example, I was starting a, a business that was a bit out of my league last year. We were doing a software roll up yeah. and I had never done it before. And it was like, I was like, I don't know who I am doing this thing. Right. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, what? I'm going to do 75 hard, which is, you know, a major confidence booster Yeah. because I know I need that extra confidence to be able to feel not like I'm a, a you know, whatever imposter syndrome right. or a fraud. I feel like I could do this stuff. So I purposely implemented 75 hard yeah. right before I'm starting this new venture. So I have the confidence to be able to I love that. see the opportunities and feel like I could do them. Yep. I love that. It was, and 75 hard is not easy. It, it, it's, it's tough. It's a bunch of micro wins. Yeah. Each, yeah. each individual wins not hard. Right. You know, right. again, it's like, and if you lose one of them, you got to start over from day That's one. That's right. I don't think it's that hard. Yeah. I think that the people that consistently lose the battles, it's very challenging for because yeah. you got to get over that. But for someone like you, you, you know, you know what it. my, you know what my, what killed me is the picture. Which I screwed up all on the, the picture. I was taking yeah, a picture yeah, yeah. of myself every day. I'd be like, how does that, of all the things that would, that would knock you out would that's be the, the picture. easy one. That's, that's the, the easiest that's one. That's a 12 second thing. <laughs> Open your phone, take a picture. But it's hilarious. But but you know you just put it in your calendar and you just do yeah, it. Or, yeah. You know, hey, I I made my wife. I'm like, hey, make sure I don't go to bed without taking a picture. Right, 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 right. Yeah. No, that's huge. So so go back in and go back into your journey. You you come out of this crazy. You become a a, a, a drop shipping guru. I yeah. mean, you became a guru in this space. You know, uh, where you're speaking. And then where did Zendrop? I mean, you're the founder of Zendrop. How did that all play into this chapter, you know, the chapter to where yeah. you are today? So basically when I was drop shipping, I ran into a problem with the supplier where I was selling products. I was sending him money to ship them out and he was not actually shipping them out. He was giving me fake tracking numbers. Oh, so, God. which whatever it was, a, it was a, it was a big problem at the time. He sent out 7,000 fake tracking numbers at $50 an order. You could do the math. That's Plus the chargebacks, money. refunds. It was like over a half a million dollar hit. <sighs> so I was like, at that moment, I'm like, I wish there was a more reliable supplier. Anyway, that I, that idea stuck with me for a little while. Um, I I was drop shipping and I was really good at it. Right, I, I recovered from it. I was really good at it. And then I, I remember we moved to Florida and I saw an ad for this guy who was teaching people how to build online courses. And I, I went onto his funnel, like, you know, I opted into it. He asked me qualifying questions. I qualified. I got on a sales call and I'm like on the phone with this guy. He's trying to sell me a program. I'm like, I just want to go have lunch with the guy that started it. How yeah. much? Yeah. He's like, well, you know, those programs. I'm like, dude, you don't need to sell me. Just tell me how much it is to go get lunch with this guy. Yeah. It's like uh, $10,000. All right, fine. $10,000 done. Yeah. Go to lunch with this guy. And I'm thinking like, this guy is crushing it, selling this course on how to build courses, but he doesn't really have any like history he has done the it. best of anything right and i'm the best at drop shipping right so i'm like i feel like if i built a course on drop shipping i could do just as good or better than him yeah i went to lunch with him became friends with him we made a deal if i build you a drop shipping store that we could be 50 50 partners on you document the whole thing and help me put the course together and you build my funnel yeah for the for the course and this was you build it for him yeah i built him a drop shipping, drop shipping store he it. documented everything i built the course yeah and then over the course of about two years it became the biggest e-commerce coaching business in the u.s Holy we had cow we had about 50 employees we had 25 sales reps and i was spending probably you know half a million a month on facebook ads <laughs> and we're doing we had we had uh 200 to 250 booked calls on our calendar every day for our 25 sales reps. So people would go into my funnel, 
They'd be interested in working with us. They'd fill out a qualifying questionnaire, and then they'd book a call. So you took his business and just yeah, just blew it to the not next even level. 10x. It was 100x, 1000x. It was yeah. We we built something really good. Yeah, right? yeah. But I had a big inner conflict because a I was becoming the like some of my Facebook videos had like 50 million plus views. Yeah, I would go out even in other countries, and people would be like, "Oh, you're that you're the the e-commerce guy," and it was mm. cool. But I'm like, I don't know if I want to be the e-commerce guy. Mm. And then on top of it, you know, I had this group coaching program, right? And it was yeah. five grand for the year. We get on Zoom calls every week and people would come into the calls and we wouldn't really talk about e-commerce. We talk about personal development. Mm. And I, I realized the only people that would succeed who took my course were the people that understood personal development. They, had, they already had to have a foundation in personal development. It was like either that or they weren't as scarred as other people, right? right? Like they didn't have as much trauma. So like if somebody came, for example, let's say I did a call and, and two separate people yeah. were talking about. One person had all the technical knowledge in the world. They knew everything about ads. They knew everything about e-commerce but they had low energy and they were skeptical about their success Yeah. versus another guy who knew nothing, didn't even know how to work a computer, but he was so excited about the opportunity to sell millions of products to billions of people. And he was really stoked. I would bet on that guy a hundred percent of the, All time, the time. And he would, that, oh, that guy would always win. Wow. So I was becoming the e-commerce guru and we were selling, you know, we were doing multiple eight figures in selling courses and coaching and masterminds. And yeah. People were paying me 50 grand to come spend two days uh, with me in Florida and, and, it was like a, it was a thing. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't want to do it, but I didn't want to shut it down. Right. So I was like, but I'm curious, like, what was it? Because because somebody hearing that, even from my perspective, I think about that. Why didn't you want to do? It? What was the what was there, the conflict, the rub, where you were just like feeling, this is not what I want to do. Yeah, I mean, there was a few things. Number one, most people that would buy our program wouldn't end up succeeding, not because the program wasn't good. So there was a lack good. of success that it bothered you? Yeah. Okay. Like, I, it bothered me selling someone a program and then knowing that 90% of them wouldn't succeed. Yeah. And it wasn't from the lack of good quality content or a good formula. Obviously, yeah. it worked. Yeah. But it was because people were looking for a shortcut, a way to get rich quick, mm. and I didn't want to sell that. So that was the first thing. Okay. Second thing was there was a lot of people that were copying me that were like younger and they would do like 50 grand on a Shopify store and then build a course and copy my funnel. And I was like, I don't really want to be associated with this world of people. Mm. And I wanted to like go to that. I wanted to, you know, go from the version of me to like, you know, I want to be like a Mark Cuban when I'm older or like, yeah. a, you know, maybe not Elon Musk, but like someone, I want to be one of the best entrepreneurs in the world. Yeah. So, and you can't really do that in the course. I mean, you could, but it, it, I wanted to pivot to building a platform. Yep. And basically, yep. I had that built this. That makes total sense. I, I get it now. We, and we had, you know, half a million people on our email list and Facebook yeah. groups with 100,000 plus people and, you know, tens of thousands of students. So I was like, if I can build this supply chain, you know, the issue that I had and launch it to my community, we could probably grow it pretty quickly. Yeah. And that's when I was like, all right, let's build Zendrop. And yeah. that was the beginning of, that was like back in 2018, we started, started building it. Yeah. And building a software platform is challenging. Building a software platform back then was harder than it is now. And building a software platform that integrates with a logistics company in China adds, mm. <laughs> adds a bunch of challenges to it. Right. So, yeah, I mean, today we have over a million users. We're doing, you know, we're very profitable, growing year over year. Yeah. But there have probably been 50 times where I thought we were going to not make it. Wow. Know? Like talking about like, you know, there's highs and lows in all this stuff. Right. So talk about one of the biggest lows in Zendrop. The biggest low by far in Zendrop yeah. Yeah. was, so we launched the company 
back in August of 2019. Okay. And this is right before the pandemic started. Yeah. All of our products ship from China and they ship on commercial airlines. So they get on a plane and they ship to the U.S. to a, to a distribution center and then they ship out from there. Okay. When COVID hit, there oh, were no, no commercial airlines. There's no flights. So, so get this. This the timing. Oh. The timing could not have been worse. We launched in August of 2019. We did like maybe 100 grand our first month. You know, maybe 250 grand our second month. Within the first three or four months, we hit a million dollar month. Yeah. We were growing hockey stick growth. Yeah. And right when we caught that, March 2020, just pff, done. Fell out. Couldn't fulfill an order. Now we have thousands. You know, a hundred thousand new users yeah. that trust us because we told them what we can do, and something completely out of our control came in, and we're have you know we have thousands and thousands you know tens of thousands of orders that we can't ship. Yeah. So we're trying to pivot, put them on boats, and we're promising you know five to ten day shipping. Yeah, you can't do that on a. Our boat. shipping was sixty to ninety days. Yeah. Like a- literally, it was it was the worst case scenario, and although yeah. anyone knows like COVID wasn't our fault. Yeah. Our customers, they don't care. They don't care. They don't we, care. we paid you for this. You didn't do it. Yeah. So we went from like a million dollars back to almost zero. Wow. And not only that, I had, you know, I did a big push for this platform. So people are like, oh, Jared gets this platform. Uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. people are like, hey, can we get on an interview with you? We want to hear about what happened. And it was like, man, maybe I'm just not cut out for this. You know, maybe this is just out of my league. Yeah. So I, I, a lot of doubt creep, oh. doubt crept in. Oh yeah. You know. So then, what? Obviously, the plane's coming back, and and that started to slowly come back. But how were you able to ride the storm? Man, it was it was hard without this personal work. You know, without this getting up early and and you know re realizing what I am and realizing that things don't happen the way you expect them to. They happen differently, but you'll end up further along than you expected. Mm. Remembering that every day yeah. was was it was a battle between that and the stress. You know, yeah. and um and I just was like, and not only was it hard for me to ride the storm, I had a whole team that I had to keep inspired and motivated. Yeah, you know, and and there was a point early on. Where I had to cut everyone's salary in half. Oh, what year? What, what year was that? That was what year? In 2020. In 2020. Yeah, like my leadership team, I was like, guys, you know, we're not going to survive. I, I had a, I was like, okay, we need to get. How to many this people point. on the team at that? Fifty? Did Jeff? No, no, you didn't no, have 50 that, on that team. At that yeah. time, we maybe had like 15 people 15 on the Zendrop team. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, and I was like, yo, like I know, I know we can do this. This is how we're gonna do it, but we're not gonna survive unless we, you know, cut and these. And you expenses. made the decision, and then from that leadership perspective, did that come from a walk? Like, what made you decide, hey, we need to cut salaries? Well, it was a, a lot of reflection, a lot of looking at numbers. You know, I had a I had a really good team, good CFO, yeah. good COO. Like we just were like, this is the only way we're going to survive. If we can get to this revenue by this date, we will be able to come out of it alive. Okay. But we kind of started from ground zero with a lot of skepticism with people on Reddit, you know, talking shit. Like everything was, it was really hard. Yeah. But yeah. we knew that we had something that was really good we just had to re-get there yeah. basically yeah, and, yeah 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 and honestly the first you know it took me about two years after that to become profitable wow. meaning i wasn't taking a salary i was investing my own money into the business for two years i've drew myself down not to zero but like from having millions of dollars to being like under a million dollars yeah and you know i li living in this beautiful house and now i'm like i'm like oh my god am i gonna lose everything like yeah i like basically was getting to a point where i don't know if i can if I, I may have to like, I used to have this fear that I was going to be, have, have to become an Uber driver. Right. That was my biggest fear. Right. And I was right. like, but looking back, it's funny because 
the story is a great story in my mind now, yeah. but during it, the pain and the stress was very high. Yeah. And most people at that point, they gave in. But if you look at anyone's success story, they all go through that not once, not twice, not 10 times, a hundred times. Yeah. You know, and you have to keep yourself in the state of mind that allows you to see opportunities and see pivots. You know, we saw some opportunities last year, for mm -hmm. example, we, we, you remember we went to Brazil. Yes. I was in Brazil yes, every yes, month yes, for yes, six yes. months. Like those things I would not have been able to see if I was constantly waking up and remembering my problems and going through those same thought patterns. Yeah. I was able to see those things by waking up, letting go of everything, reconnecting with my truth, reconnecting with my purpose, opening my heart and then starting my day. Yeah. You know, and then you, you only need, I mean, when your company gets to a certain level, you need one good idea a month. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because yeah, you get yeah, bigger, yeah. and then and then now you're not steering like a, a jet ski anymore. Now you're steering a yacht or a cruise ship. Yeah. You can't do that much stuff anyway. Right. So you need one good right. idea a month, right. and right. that's really what I've been focusing on. Is like, you know, do we just do this new thing? Do we keep going? You know, keep basically staying on the path that we're on. Yeah. And um, last year we just really doubled down on like organizing our data so that we can make sales, uh, make action. You know, we, we started doubling down on the things that are working, implemented a few mm. features that make it way easier for people to use our platform, yeah. investing in the tech resources to build something better. Whereas early on with my scarcity mindset, I'm like, I don't know if I want to invest this much money in tech, which mm. I don't even know if it's going to work if I can't test it. Now I'm in the mindset of if it takes us six months to build it, we're going to take six months to build it. If we're going to have to spend this much, we're going to spend this much. Yeah. And if you look at anyone, you know, I mean, look at Elon Musk. Yeah. You know, he, he almost went bankrupt Tesla, many Tesla times. Tesla almost went belly up. Yeah. Tesla and SpaceX yeah. almost yeah. went belly up. Yeah. And yeah. people see, people see the Elon Musk on Twitter, you know, he's the 200 billionaire, like, you know, he's happy. Life is great for him. You know how much stress that man no, probably went through? he's in a lot of stress, yeah. I mean, maybe yeah. now life's great, and I'm sure, he, I'm sure he has the spiritual side to him. I think anyone who's successful does. Yeah. But people only see the outside. They don't yeah. see the inside, and it's never sunshine and rainbows for a long period of time. Every low is followed by a high. Every high is followed by a low. The yeah. key is when you zoom out, your lows and highs – they keep going up a little bit. Yep. You know, yep. but when you're zoomed in, you're in a low and you can't see a way out. Yeah. Something happens unexpected. You come back up. Oh, things are great. What the heck? How is this happening? You know, you just have to ride the wave. But, 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 but you said, I think what you said, though, I think it's the critical piece for all entrepreneurs, right? There's something that has to ground you in between the highs and lows. Yeah. There's something that you have to always come back to. Right. Whether, you know, for, for, for myself, I, 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 I love reading from the Bible. I love that my, that the church family that I have in knowing that there, this foundational piece is like, mm. look, no matter how high the highs are, no matter how low the lows are, there. you've got to have something foundational that yep. holds you, um, steady yep. in those storms so that you don't believe that the lowest of lows is the lowest of lows, yep. right? Or you don't believe that the highest of highs is the highest of highs. Yep. You've got to have that foundation to know the difference and to be like, hey, you know, I've got to be grateful for what, what do I have right now in this moment? And that, that's why I think religion is amazing. Yeah. I also think that a lot of religion is misinterpreted and misconstrued and taken too literally. But if you look at all the religions in the world, they all really teach the same thing, yeah. which is don't be attached to the outcomes. Um, you know, don't be attached to the good things or the bad things. Love more. Be in your center. 
I mean, if you interpret the Bible, you can derive all this stuff out of it. If you interpret Buddhism, you can learn all this stuff yeah. out of it. All the religions kind of teach the same thing, that you have energy inside of you that creates. So I didn't grow up religious. I'm technically yeah. Jewish, but I didn't, yeah. I didn't learn anything about religion or God growing up. I, not until I started doing plant medicine journeys did I even understand what God is. Yeah, yeah. And, but, but I, so I believe, what, what I believe is probably very similar to what you believe in different words. Yeah. In different ways. Yeah. But I think it's important to have something. You gotta have something that grounds you, right? Yep. Like something that grounds you and calls you higher, right? If with without that, if if you if you think you're gonna go on this journey and just figure it out and then not have a routine in the morning, not have a plan, not have a journal, not not have a way to start the day in a positive mindset, it's really tough. Yeah. And, and it's even don't tougher. matter the size of the business. Right, for sure. And yeah. and in today's day and age, there's so many things that you can do that give you hits of dopamine where you're, well, should I do this practice? Should I should just open Instagram. Yeah. You know? Well, let me scroll on Instagram. Oh, and you're like, you, you're numbing your mind, but you're feeding it dopamine. Yeah. So it's sitting there and you're becoming a puddle of mush, but you're giving it enough dopamine to feel good. Yeah. And most people choose that over the other stuff. Yeah. It's easier. Hey, I'm just going to scroll on TikTok for a little while. Yeah. You know, and not only are you are you, you know, feeding yourself dopamine without having to achieve anything, you're also killing your attention span. Yeah. You're also watching videos for 10 seconds at a time. Okay, now when that that thing comes up where you got to write an email and spend 45 minutes on crafting it, your mind is so used to just scrolling every 10 seconds, you can't focus. Yeah. You're not getting the the immediate dopamine out of it, right? If it if it happen uh, if it has to do with like doing it writing an email for example yeah. the dopamine comes from the outcome right yeah. from the guy answering you and you getting the thing that you wanted to get <clears throat> but it's so rather than choosing that thing to ground you many people just choose to scroll on Instagram yeah. or scroll on TikTok and it's it's more and more prevalent now than it ever was before and it's only going to get more and more prevalent in the future so knowing this stuff is more and more important now than it ever was before. The self-development piece, I agree. I 100% I, I agree. And, and I think some people think of it as kind of like a woo-woo, like a like they think of it as like, oh, it's out there. Uh, what, is, what, what is meditation? You yeah, know what I mean? Because they haven't experienced it. It's, you know, they haven't experienced it. I think one piece, and then, and then I think it's also a piece of just – some people don't really want to be aware of who they are. Yeah. They don't really want to dig deep into who they are yeah. and seeing the good, the bad, seeing what's going to come out of all of that. And that's the piece that we all need because yeah. when we know who we are and we can really dig into that, the possibilities are endless. Yeah. They really are endless as yeah. you were talking about earlier. I think it's really important. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what would you say entrepreneur listeners right now first steps they're like i i have this dream i have this vision of a business or uh, or something that i want to do beyond where i'm at in this job what yep. would you say to them i would say two things are really important to comprehend and after comprehending them you need to experience them but the first thing is that you need to have a vision and you need to have discipline right mm. so but the problem is people are like, okay, what's my vision? And they're like, oh, I don't really know. Oh, maybe that's my vision, whatever. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. You need to have a vision, but you need to have a vision from a high energy state. Okay. So get out, put on some music, go for a walk, go for a run, clear your mind, let your intuition guide you to that vision, right? You don't mm. think your way to the vision, feel your way to the vision. I like Once that. you feel something that resonates with you, hold on to it, write it out, 
deep dive deeper into it, visualize it more. Yeah. So come up with a vision. Okay. And then understand that discipline is pretty much everything. Discipline is the determination of your self-confidence. Mm. Discipline is the determination of what's going to drive you forward. Okay. So discipline and a vision, understanding the concept that those two things are basically how you manifest in life. I love that. So understanding that and now practicing it, right? So go yeah. literally like if you're listening to this right now, get up, go for a run, feel your intuition that brings you to a vision. So understanding that concept and experiencing it. And then the second thing is what we talked about earlier, which is stop focusing so much on what you need to do and start focusing a lot on who you need to be. Yeah, I love that. And once you have that shift and you can let go of the outcomes and you don't yeah. hold on to everything that happens and, and separate yourself from where you want to be because you feel a lack because things aren't happening the way you want them to go. Yeah. Remember that the way you feel creates a vibrational pattern that attracts thoughts at the same level. So if you yeah. feel great, you're going to get thoughts that are going to propel you to be great. Yeah. If you feel stressed, you're going to get thoughts that are going to make you feel more stressed. You know, even something as simple as like, you know, if, if a husband and wife want to have a baby and yeah. they keep saying, we need this, we need to have a baby, we need to have a baby, we need yeah. to have a baby. Well, what are you going to get? You're going to get more need to have yeah. a baby rather than you feel the, the emotion of having it and let go of the outcome and it will happen the yeah. way it's supposed to or better than you expect it to. Right. So those two or easier, things are easier or than easier. you expect it. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny too. Cause I, I had this literally yesterday, I had this experience with golf with my son. Right. And, uh, playing golf with my son and my dad. And we're out there with, uh, uh, my, my, my dad and my stepmom, and we're, 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 we're playing and my dad gets, he gets a little, my dad and my son have a very same temperament. Yeah. They, they, they're easily frustrated, right? Yep. They, the game really easily frustrates them. And I have like, I mean, I get a little frustrated, but for the most part, I can I can kind of stay in a focused standpoint of understanding that I'm going to have bad shots. I'm really not that great. Right. So I shouldn't get that worked up. Right. You know, if that yeah. makes sense. Right. And so at one point, you know, my son is just he's just having a day. My dad's yep. having a day. Yep. And I were driving and I literally look at my son and I said, you, you realize that I will always beat you. <laughs> if you feel this way. When you are in this state. Yeah. When you're in this vibration, this state of exactly. just being frustrated, you know, exactly. and, and upset that you missed a shot, right? right. I will always beat you. Yeah. I said, now who should actually win? Right. Between you and I. I said, uh, yeah. you should win. Right. And my son should win. He's a he's a better golfer. Right. I said the better golfer should always win. If you keep this vibration positive. Yeah. And that's the same for business. Yeah. You know, it's the same. If you're going to complain about everything that goes wrong and constantly be putting it out there as an energy force of like, these are all the things that are going wrong, you're going to get that back. Yeah. But the, the other thing to note, though, is that we're not perfect. So you're going to feel those ways or you're going. For sure. The key then is how fast can you rebound? Right. Right. So it's like, okay, you hit the shot, you feel the frustration. You're not perfect. You're not going to just like, oh, I don't feel any frustration. You're going to yeah. feel it. Yes. Right. But golf, for an example, yes. leave it there. Then go do your next one. Right. Yeah. Or in life, for example, let's say you say you're going to run every day for seven days. Yeah. And day three, you get up, you're tired, you don't do it. Yeah. The next day, it's really easy to not do it again because you're in that energetic pattern of not doing it. Yeah. But when you realize that, okay, if I bounce back right now, 
I'm actually not much below from where I was. But if I continue down this path, I'm going to I'm going to get back way down the path of where I was. Yep. So how fast can you rebound is actually it's critical. It's critical. Yeah. So, OK, bounce right back. Yeah. Right. OK, you did it. No worries. Let it go. Bounce right yeah. back. So that yeah. rebound effect. I think the rebound key. effect is critical. I, I, I look at it, and for especially for my son, and you look at the pros. I mean, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, was it this? Yeah, it was this weekend. Rory on 18 needs a birdie. He's at the Scottish Open. He hits it uh, a little left, but it ended up, it wasn't in a bad spot. It was okay. Yeah. It's a 204, I think it was a 204-yard shot into a 20-mile-an-hour wind. <laughs> He hit a two iron. Wow. Think about you know how far a two iron would go for Rory. Yeah, by two eighty. I mean, that's, it went exactly two hundred and seven yards. Wow. He was ten feet from the hole. Wow! Right, it, but he has to have a birdie to win the whole tournament. Right. Par, par goes into a playoff. But you're sitting there and you're thinking his his drive wasn't a great drive. Oh yeah. But, like, he made up for it on the next shot. He rebounded. Same thing happened to the guy who was winning the tournament. He hit one way out left, ends up burning the hole, has to shoot to 64. But it's how you rebound. Yeah. That is critical in business, and it's critical just life in general. We're not going to be perfect. You're going to feel frustration, yep. but how you rebound is critical. So yeah. think of when you went, what, what was the biggest determining point when you were cutting salaries, Right to how you rebounded from that negative thinking of things that were going on at that time. How did you rebound so fast? Yeah, it's it, it wasn't like, uh, you know, that that's kind of a macro event, right? There's a lot of people involved. It wasn't like, oh, we're going to cut your salary for a day and we're going to bring yeah. it right back. It was more, okay, now that we've done this, I need to really hone in the vision of how we're going to get to the next level. And make sure that I talk to everyone involved and make sure that they're a hundred percent on board. Okay. But if I was operating from a place of, Oh, we had to cut everyone's salary. Oh, this is going to be horrible. They're all going to hate this. And you know, I wouldn't be able to have those conversations. Yeah. So I needed to personally rebound to yeah. the level of enthusiasm that I had beforehand yeah. and re, you know, hone in on that vision and feel like the person that already achieved it yeah. and then give my energy to the team. Yeah. Give it right to them. The, then, from a positive standpoint. Yeah. From not a, from a, yeah, 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 yeah. From a positive vibration. Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. And then, that, you know, when you're, when you're managing a team and your company is growing, you know, we're not a huge company, but we have about 45 people on the team now. Yeah. Most of my job is making sure that our leadership team is feeling good. Yeah. You know, because I'm not really that good at any of the things that they're doing. I'm not the best at anything on the company except for really seeing the vision. Yeah. So my job is interacting with the leadership team on a daily basis to make sure that they're fired up or if they're yeah. not. I become aware of it and I make sure things are good. So I'm really like a psychologist. Yeah. yeah That's kind of my yeah, yeah. role. You're, 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 the, you're the, like the coach. You know what yeah. I mean? You're, you're coaching. You're, you're developing. Yeah. You're developing talent. Yeah. That's fantastic. Right. Any book that you recommend that you're like, if, if you're a new entrepreneur or you're an entrepreneur and you're, you're, you're starting to like dive into the self-development, what do you rec typically recommend? Yeah. So... Well, first of all, my book, uh, Overnight yes. Success, is it's your it's a playbook for your first you know inner breakthrough in business. Say so, it, so what's it, what's the title again? Overnight Success. Overnight Success. I love yeah, it. That's okay, a, that's um you know it was written specifically for like the new entrepreneur, the I person that it. needs to outperform their belief systems and get to that next level and easiest way to get it on Amazon. Amazon. Okay, yeah. perfect. Um, I love you know the Five A.M. Club by Robin oh, Sharma. Yeah. Yep. You know that's it's a good story. It's an easy read. 
Yeah. Um, it teaches you a lot of these lessons. Um, I, I love Michael Singer. He yeah. wrote the untethered soul. Oh yeah. yeah Living yeah, yeah. untethered, the surrender experiment, all of those books. Highly, highly, highly yes. recommend. Yeah. I read the first one. I think it's untethered, untethered soul. soul. Yeah. 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 You should read Very the next thought one. provoking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 That's I one. even got soaring to, to, to get it. That's one of those books that when you read it, you can read it a year later and it means a whole different, yeah. it has a whole different meaning to you. I can see that. And when you read it, your energy shifts too. Yeah. Like you, you feel it. But yeah. if you read his next book, The Surrender Experiment, okay, it's it's basically his life story of like how he was like living in a van to create a multi-billion dollar company by yeah. living these principles. And I it's just, it. that's a great one. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's lots of great books you can read. Those ones are awesome. Yeah. But just remember, understanding something conceptually is a thousand times less powerful than experiencing it. True. So you got to take the action. You got to get up early. You got to do the routines. It doesn't really yeah. matter what you do. As long as you pick something, stick to yeah. it, you build the confidence, you're able yeah. to see the opportunities, and you grow that way. Yeah, I love that. I love that. So, uh, Jared, how can people stay in touch with what you're doing? What's the easiest way for people to follow you from a social media standpoint? Yeah, pretty much Instagram, YouTube. You can yeah. find me at Jared Getz. Um, my YouTube channel is Jared Getz. And, uh, yeah. Excellent. You're, now, your podcast, how can people find your podcast? Yeah, it's called Zen Hard. Zen, Zen Hard, Hard Podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you just look me up on any platform, you'll find the podcast. Z-E-N? Yep. Zen hard. Yep. Okay, perfect. Well, Jared, dude, it's been awesome having you on the show, man. I love lots of insightful information for people. I love it. I can't wait to get back on the course again soon. Yeah, let's do it. All right, my man. Take right. care. Thank you.